Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. All right. I think we're live. You think so? You just, it's 11 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> we're just going to start talking. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Um, as you can see, Aaron is not here. And I was going to sit in Aaron's chair. Oh, do you want to switch? You sit, no, 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 it's fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was going to sit there because Aaron usually is the one that does all of the, like, he'll ask questions. Right. Um, and um, then I'll kind of answer them. I was um, imagining that on yeah. the way here. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. Now I'll ask the questions <laughs> and you get to answer them. And then I'll ask uh, some back. Yeah. Okay, good. And so obviously if you come to South, you know Yvonne very well. <laughs> uh, she's been our pastor of formations for, well, it was five years, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're stepping into this new thing, which is... Mm -hmm. Really exciting. Maybe we should start by you just telling some people that don't come to South what that thing is, because it is sure. it's a very fun thing. Sure. Well, um, about a year ago, I stepped down to be just part-time uh -huh. capacity at South. And in order to kind of spin up some other things with friends and myself on the side. And yeah, we've been meeting with people in sort of a faith-based intervention uh -huh. where we get to release emotional and spiritual like roots of trauma. And so I've been trained in that and I've been meeting one-on-one -on -one with clients. Um, we also put together a conference called God Speaks. Um, we've written things together, designed things together. And it is and, such a fun group of people. I mean, yeah. there's so many, so much gifting there. And right. And so even on a broader level, South for those of you that aren't around South, it is a community that for whatever reason attracts people that are in that kind of, those fields, right? The number of counselors. Yeah, it's been really fascinating healers. to watch God bring counselors and healers and people that are very spiritually attuned and mm -hmm. have a gift of discernment into our community. And that was sort of part of the, you know, just motivation to ask the Lord, what are you doing with this community mm. and how can I be a part of it or how can I assist in making it a thing? Yeah. And now we meet monthly with this group called Wholehearted Healers mm -hmm. and it's an open invitation to anyone who's in the counseling or this kind of intervention or, I mean, we've had chiropractors and massage therapists and a variety of people that really want to see wholehearted healing yeah. enter the world. And that's been a thing for South for a while, right? And, and we have the values on the wall. Some people who come would know all of them, but they are very f deeply mm -hmm. felt, mm -hmm. I think, by a lot of us. And, and the value of wholeness yeah, being more than, I, I think there was this history with church where people said, well, if your spirit's whole, it doesn't matter about anything else. Yeah. And and as people have started to embrace, well, actually, there's a lot of interconnectedness there, even just mm -hmm. 
that statement that you know that that you have a spirit that you are a spirit and you have a body is something that I think a lot of people would push back on now and say, no, you are a body. Yeah. Um, God gave it to you. He made it. And and so we've had all of this history in church. I, mm. I think I I can track back in my mind going to services with pastors that were like a good couple of hundred pounds overweight mm. talking about health. Sure. And you're like, huh, like there's a piece of Something that holistic. Something doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to, to critique them. I mean, people have problems with weight as people Absolutely. have problems with all sorts of different things. But it was almost a recognition that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There's other stuff that matters. Mm -hmm. And now for us to talk about physical health and emotional health and spiritual health and right. all those things right. and how they might fit together totally. is a really healthy thing. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, in the Old Testament kind of anchors on loving God with your heart, soul, mind, mm. and strength yeah. in that holistic way, It's it really is an invitation that all of it has been created by the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it has only been through heresy yeah. that has split the body, the immaterial from the material. Yeah. And I mean, that's a beautiful connection to resurrection talk today. I was today. just thinking that a segue, <laughs> right? We just look at us. It's like we planned the whole thing out. Um, what does that mean for resurrection when we think about, so I am always intrigued by a couple of things. So Christianity kind of uniquely declares this idea of physical resurrection, mm -hmm. uh, as a, as a reality. That was a very un-Jewish idea at the time, Right. even though some kind of resurrection was maybe there tracking for a bunch of people. There's definitely a movement mm -hmm. to, to like this physicalness of it, I think. Yeah. I mean, the um, image of the dry bones coming to life uh -huh. in Ezekiel maybe would have been some of the yeah the main vision or imagery that they would have in their mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and there's this big conversation going on with Pharisees and Sadducees, these two groups around, is there any kind of resurrection? Yeah. Uh, and and Paul says, you know, Pharisees believe in both res or a real resurrection, Sadducees not so much. So right. there's, there's all these questions about it. And then Jesus dies and is risen. Um, and, and then I think what intrigues me is as 21st century people, I think we kind of look at that and we're like, well, of course they believed in things like resurrection in the first century. Mm. Um, but, 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 um, an author, Alistair McLeod that I love says, you know, it's interesting. The dead stay dead with the same monotony in the first century that they do today. Sure. It's, a. Uh, it's a it's a regular practice. Right. Jesus coming back from the dead right. was was spectacular then, mm -hmm. um, just as it would be spectacular today. Yeah. So we we always try and throw in I think just a little bit of a summary. So can you? We can't throw passages on the screen if you're watching online today because that's an Aaron thing. That's yeah. not an Alex thing. Not my capabilities. Well, you gave me the whole chapter. Of I gave you the whole chapter, like, just... which is actually a lot of verses. <laughs> No, I didn't say you had to do the whole chapter of 15. Just, you know, Which I emphasize parts of it. And yeah. the, the part that we're talking about now is, was sort of an under-emphasized point mm. in the message. Yeah. But, but give us, what give, what's the, the broad summary? Like, what would you, what, what did you come from? Well, as I was reading that whole chapter, it just seemed like there was a reminder of a creed mm. at the beginning. Yeah. And then there was this chiasm argument mm -hmm. that resurrection actually does matter yeah. and that there are real implications if it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
then it sort of went into this curiosity. Like Paul knows that they're going to ask, like, what does this body look like? What, like, what really is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, we want to get to those imaginative places yeah. and know, like, the details of what it's going to look like mm-hmm. on the other side. Yeah. So there's this curiosity question that he addresses. Then he moves into this climax of, like, actually, like, it's going to be awesome. Like, uh-huh. you're going to have victory. It's going to be ours. And then concluding with this final statement of a charge that yeah. you can stand firm, immovable, and that your work in the kingdom and in the Lord is not going to be in vain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and he, for him, if they, if they, and you did a really great job just emphasizing this, if you let go of resurrection, you've let go of the whole thing. Yes. And, and I, I wonder, like, I think we do that a lot in the church. I know. I think the, the idea of physical resurrection mm-hmm. kind of throws us a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so we start to talk about one day up in the cloud somewhere. And yeah. and Paul in, in the second letter to the Corinthians, he does that a little bit. He, he has this moment where he talks about his, like there was this man that I know, and then mm-hmm. you find out later it was him. Um, it's, like, <laughs> it's, his, it's his story. Sure. Um, and he says, well, the, the, he was called up to the, the third heaven and he saw things and mm-hmm. all these different things. Mm-hmm. So there's this mystery of resurrection that's both actually really physical mm-hmm. and then also got some like distance and somewhere else-ness to it as well. Totally. Like, Jesus' it's resurrection. The afterlife, yeah. which is sort of mystical and mysterious anyways. <laughs> but Jesus' resurrection is physical yeah. and yet he can walk through walls. Yeah. And it's physical, and yet he, like he, he has right. holes in his hands that don't bleed. Um, the scars are still there, but right. the the wounds aren't open wounds. If that makes sense, There's, right. he can be recognized sometimes. He can't be recognized other times. And so mm-hmm. Paul says, like, oh, he's going to give us a body like his resurrection body. Right. But regardless, people are talking to him as yeah. if he's a, just another human there's being a, there's a touch on Earth. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a physicality totally. to it that is is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, yeah, I think that that idea that that we we surrender it so easily. Um, unpack that for a little bit for us. Why why do we surrender it, and what happens when we do? Because you did a great job talking about this in this. And what happens when we surrender resurrection? When we let it go. Yeah, yeah. When we just, yeah. I called it deconstructing. Yeah, because deconstruct that seems it, yeah. like a it's a hot word right now. And, it is, yeah. And people are deconstructing faith, and I think that. If we deconstruct, which I think the the people of Corinth were doing, right? Mm-hmm. They're debating it. They're yeah, letting they, it they, yeah, letting yeah. it be undone. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if we deconstruct it, then Jesus doesn't rise from the dead. Yeah. So this this man that we look at as sort of the center of our salvation and the hope that we have is still on the cross, uh-huh. still in the tomb. Yeah. And, you know, Paul says that then those that have gone to sleep stay asleep. Mm-hmm. Really, there's no hope for anyone that they have been praying for in like their afterlife. Yeah. Um, I mean, with it, he says our faith is pointless, really, mm-hmm. there because there isn't any hope. And the conclusion is just seize the day just live it up because tomorrow you're gone it's the carpe diem thing it's like just do whatever you like um yeah which Uh, i felt like had 
so much that little phrase, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you Mm -hmm. die, really was kind of a jab to like his whole entire book. Yes. Right? Yeah. Saying, if you're not letting the resurrection and this living Christ affect your every day, then just go ahead and do your thing. Uh-huh. And cause it doesn't really matter. In yeah. The end. It's so, so it fascinates me. I was listening to a conversation the other day with this theologian called Marcus Borg and Marcus Borg's pretty well known as they did this thing back in the, was it maybe eighties or nineties called the Jesus seminar where they gathered all of these fairly liberal theologians together. And they said, we're going to try and reduce down the New Testament to things we think Jesus actually said. Mm, Because there's this whole conversation around like, what did he actually say? And and how do you decide who was right, Matthew or Mark or Matthew or Luke and all these different things? Like, can we, can we boil it down to nuggets? So he was pretty, pretty big part of that. Uh, And then over the years, he's kind of come around to some kind of orthodoxy, like over Mm. the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he, so he said something that I'm still processing he said it wouldn't bother him if they found a grave in Jerusalem with Jesus' physical body in it. Because? Because, he <laughs> said, so his reading of resurrection is that, yes, it's, it's a physical body, but in his mind, it didn't have to be the same body. Mm-hmm. And so he said, like, we often mistake resurrection for resuscitation. Sure. Um, and, and I was, I, I, it actually was one of those things that, wow, I, I, this is like, it feels New like thought. It, yeah, yeah. never occurred to me before right. because I actually would say if they found Jesus physical body in a tomb in Jerusalem, it would cause yeah. me huge conundrums that would bother of faith. Me. Yeah. It really would bother me. Yeah. Cause, cause it seems like the thing that we've declared yeah. is the tomb is empty. Right. Not that they went to the wrong tomb. Right. Uh, not that they just were a bit overexcited and actually know there was really a body there after all, or mm-hmm. the stone didn't get rolled away. Like the 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 accounts seem pretty pretty set on. Mm-hmm. No, the thing was empty. There was supposed to be a body there, and there really wasn't a body there. Right. Um. So I. So I. I. To me, I like I. That's why I love you know what you said, like holding on to that resurrection idea. It just seems so central. Um, so to help people out there listening, like what do you do if you get to those moments where you're like, that feels like a hard thing to believe? Like what yeah. What do we, because I think most of us- It is a hard thing to believe. And I think anytime you go through theological, I remember walking out of my first Genesis lecture mm. just in tears as a seminarian because I was yeah. like, I don't, I feel like I'm getting all this push I grew up in a very six-day creationalist environment. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the the professor I had was very comfortable with with evolution as a framework, mm-hmm. and he just reflected on that. And I suddenly came away with, I don't, I don't know what I believe anymore. Yeah, it was my first week of seminary, and I think I'm already falling apart. Yeah, um, yeah. And and questions around stuff like resurrection maybe can do that. What do you do in those moments that you're like, oh, I don't know how to hold on to this. I'm not sure how I get to know or feel this is true. Gosh, I mean, I feel like there's a deeper something happening Mm. that it's actually not about 
the resurrection. Hmm. I feel like it's more of like, can you trust God? Hmm. Because if you can trust God and you can learn his character, this is his character yesterday, today, and forever. Like what he does is create Mm. and recreate and recreate and recreate. (laughs) Like that's everything that God does. And that is, if we want to follow this God of creation, Uh the God of recreation, and we want to have any hope for our future life, like we have to believe that he recreates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think it is so central but that makes me wonder, like, what is it that that has caused you distrust or mistrust mm-hmm. with God? Yeah. And where is that located? Like, I think I would go for a deeper Interesting. question. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if they have any faith to begin with, it's the center of it is mm-hmm. resurrection mm-hmm. and hope. Yeah. And new life. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that there is like a, so so there's plenty of books out there. And if you're someone that loves the intellectual approach, there's all these books you can go and read that that will try and tap into like the the legal aspect of like, how do you prove something is true? Sure. So they would go back to, well, there's these first witnesses and they're actually badly chosen witnesses. They're three, maybe two women that come and first tell who won't be right. believed in Jewish society. Right. Um, so, so there's that aspect to it. There's, there's the the church itself is maybe evidence of resurrection. Why does it become what it becomes? Why are they hiding one day, right, and then proclaiming in the streets another day if the events don't really take right. place? They should all run away and give up, right? And um, why would they give their life for it? All those different know? things. Yeah. There's, so there's all these like maybe intellectual basis that you can give. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you and I both have this sort of hope for people and the personal experience aspect of somewhere it seems that the idea of the new testament is you can experience the risen jesus for yourself mm-hmm. um, and that's more than an intellectual argument yeah it's a hope that the recreating thing that you talked about that we can hope to experience jesus recreating our own lives yeah almost bringing us up from the grave that we often find ourselves in, in life mm-hmm. that, that to me, like I, I'm more intrigued by that mm-hmm. than I am by building intellectual arguments for why it makes sense. Right. Like that, I mean, that's my hope for people. And, and I think you talked about that both with stories that you see as this group of healers. Yeah. Um, it's the risen Jesus, not just rising himself, right. But raising others to new life. Yeah. And you talked about that personally, totally. right, as well. That feels like, those feel like stories we should be interested in. I think that that's the evidence of resurrection in mm. our lives, you know? And we need to have more stories of resurrection. Like, yeah. this is actually working in the church. Because I think people are looking at the church and saying it's not working. Mm. Like this recreation and this resurrection thing isn't working. Like I, some of me just has felt like we have spent years and like generations talking about the cross Mm -hmm. and about sanctification, about propitiation Mm -hmm. and justification. And that's where we like 
hold the story. Like I was looking back at one of my old theology books mm -hmm. and we he had three times as much on the cross wow. than on the resurrection. Huh. And I thought, you know what? I feel like we've gotten stuck at the cross. And not that the cross isn't important. It's so important. So important. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. pivotal. Don't, if you heard anything, we did not say the cross wasn't important. No, <laughs> it is important. But we've like dissected that so yeah. much that it, it almost feels like a shift now is like we need to talk about the resurrection and see new life and see it working yeah. in order to prove to the world that Jesus is alive yeah. and that he can be honored and and worshiped and followed and be trusted mm. with our whole lives. So, and I think that that to me is, we've talked before about this idea that where your Bible starts really matters. Mm. For a lot of my experience, my upbringing, Really, if I was honest, our, our text started in Genesis chapter three mm -hmm. and it finished in Revelation chapter 19. Yeah. Like we 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 talked a lot about how th there's, there's the fall. You are broken. Mm -hmm. You are fallen. Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to save you from hell. Totally. And the story is finished. Right. Um, which is a good story in and of itself, but it's not probably the whole story. Mm-hmm which is the Genesis 1 story that no you were made to be yeah. you were made to be whole and good and very actually very good right um and participants with God in creation and yeah. part of his plan for this world right and then we became broken mm -hmm. and and the the ultimate story is one of restoration to mm -hmm. that role um almost like an awakening up Right. To that role and a new day and a new excitement and a new possibility. Yeah. And that is the way that we tell stories. We start with the problem. Yeah. Like we want to see the tension and like what needs to be resolved. We mm. do that in marketing. We do that in everything. Yeah. We want the solution to the problem. Mm -hmm. But in in our like biblical framework, we have the solution to the problem mm -hmm. given to us at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 re yeah, resurrection seems to fit into that. It seems to create this, just this in this incredible possibility. And and I think you you said in in the teaching, there were elements that that wasn't just stuff you'd seen in other people. That was stuff you'd experienced personally. Right. Um, I right. I think there's a lot of my like search for myself that. Mm pushed me into a place of like, I like these words in the scriptures aren't just like getting into me just cause I'm reading them or just cause they're on a bookmark or just because mm -hmm. like God says that they're true. So like, what is it actually that's going to get this truth of like new life and mm -hmm. resurrection into me when I actually just feel dread and discouragement and huh. like the enemy's winning and how do I get out of this sort of pit that I feel like I'm in? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I've had to hear real stories of resurrection and I've had to admit things that are strongholds in my life and die to those things in order that he can build something new and regenerate something inside of me. Mm. I, I've just, I, I've been like, one of my favorite joys in life is discovering a new author. 
Mm. that just I feel like resonates with me personally. Yeah, you are a I, voracious reader. Just a book nerd. I'm, I'm <laughs> a full-on book nerd and I have no problem with that. I, I actually just, we were, Laura and I were with a couple last night and they had a bunch of books they were trying to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up bringing home like 20 books of different yeah. backgrounds. And I regularly walk past the, the, the thrift store we have in our strip mall here and I'll just pick up books. And, um, and I came across this author who's, it's probably the best, sounding theologian name that I've come across. His name is Hans Urs von Balthasar, Ooh. which is just like someone recommended him to me. Uh, and so I bought a couple of his books. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, he has this book on prayer that I just started reading. Uh, and he would talk about first that, that any sense of contemplative prayer, and he was an Ignatian, if that means anything to you, uh, is a is a journey into your soul mm. um and, and then a discovering that god is actually deeper than your own soul that he mm. is there at the very center of who you are yes which i love wow. and then he talks about how most of us have this longing that we could experience jesus in the physical mm -hmm. not just resurrected but resurrected physical now yeah. conversation like this and yeah. wouldn't everything be great and he said, and a few people luckily got to experience that. Mm -hmm. he, he would say that the joy of scripture is that we get to place ourselves in conversations with Jesus and know how he would approach us with his care and his love and wisdom because it's there for us. And that's not just for those people. Yeah. So, so when you find yourself in a place of, of anxiety, mm. he said, you actually get to sit with Jesus yeah. who said to people, do not be anxious for tomorrow because today has enough troubles of its own. And you actually get to experience his own words to you in yours. So I started doing this and it has been mm. one of the more profoundly transformative prayer experiences mm. of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up Pentecostal. So I, 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 mean, I, I think I thought if we just got 800 people in a room and you all prayed really loud, that was the most transformative thing. Mm -hmm. But this contemplative moment has been resurrecting for me. Yeah. Um, it's It's been healing for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that a lot of my journey has been drawn to that contemplative kind of mystical mm -hmm. space. And now, now what I'm learning is that this like faith that I had was very like left brain, mm -hmm. like very logical, very like this makes sense. I'm following this truth, but it wasn't, I wasn't accessing like the imaginative, like emotive, creative spaces in me. Like I had shut those things Which down. Is when I think most of us think about you, that's who we think about. I know the true self, like God was not accessing my true self. And so I was dying to the wrong things. I was dying to the wow. things that were making me who I really am and not able to connect with God in that space. Mm -hmm. Where So, of course, I feel dread and discouragement, and despair, yeah. right? Like if God isn't accessing me. Yeah. So what I needed to do was die to the right things. The fact that I had like taken this stronghold <laughs> and agreed to this and have been like sitting underneath it rather than like actually saying, no, you offer me something new. Like you offer me the freedom and the love to be me. Mm. And these practices that actually are getting to places in my whole self yeah. where I can love you and worship you with all of me and not just my intellect. 
<laughs> so th those people that are out there saying, well, one, like help us understand left brain and right brain a little bit more. Because okay. for, for the most part, there's people that it seems like they they connect more with one than the other. Sure. I mean, so, like, I the left brain is bit. like your the things that help you function, right? The the intellect, the uh -huh. planning, the like, I can do X, Y, Z. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right brain is this like emotive part of us, this relational center mm -hmm. where... Um, yeah, we actually feel things in our bodies. We, um, we're able to emote, we're able to like find something in our mind's eye to imagine it and mm -hmm. to get into a place of creative exercising. And so I've heard people say like, you're either left brain or right brain. I'm guessing that's probably not completely true. We've been given both by yeah. the Lord. Yeah. yeah. And, and some people lean or one yeah. side stronger than the other. Right. So if, if we had a, bun a bunch of people listening that were like, I, all my experiences of the risen Jesus are through like reading texts. And knowing truth. Knowing truth. What are some things that they might do that awaken them to something that's a little more um, left brain? Yeah, I would, say, I would say that any time that you have felt close to the Lord, even in your intellect, even mm -hmm. in your study, but you felt close to him, you can go back to that place in your memory. Mm. So re remembering right? yeah, yeah, yeah. the reminder, which is yeah. what Paul says at the very beginning, remember that like go back to that place in your, but actually try to get there in your imagination. Mm. Try to go back to relive a good, pleasant memory or, mm -hmm. you know, relatively safe place that you felt good to be with the Lord and just start thanking him for where he is in that process. Yeah. And let him enter that memory and re-enter that mm -hmm. to to strengthen the like left and right brain connection. Yeah, I love that. And I, what I, what I found interesting and so so at the same time as I've been had this season of praying in a different way which is again as I say been really transformative. I've also been in a season where I've been reading more liturgy. Mm. So I've I've been reading from the, the book of daily prayer yeah. every morning. Mm -hmm. And this is what started me about it. And I'd love to hear how this ties into left brain versus right brain, all those different things. Sure. Collaborating with each side. What I've noticed is this. The first time I might read something, I read it for information. Mm. Um, and then yeah. I've read it over and over again because the, the daily book of prayer follows a pattern. So you're reading the same prayer every seven days. Mm -hmm. um, suddenly something from it will catch me off guard because I'm no longer having to intellectually process it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm now suddenly in a place where I know it well enough that I might feel it. Right. Um, and so, and C.S. Lewis talks about this. He talks about how as a, as an Anglican, he would go and he would say the apostles creed mm. uh, every day, every week. Mm -hmm. And he'd read it through. And he said, I remember this moment where I was stood in church and I was reading through the creed and I got to the point of it saying, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. And for the first time ever in my life, I believed my sins were forgiven. Wow. It was, it was like suddenly it hit me with this explosion in my chest. Mm. And he said, I must have read it a hundred times, 200 times, right. however many times. Yeah. And suddenly I was in a space yep. where it became true Real. for me. Yeah. Somewhere that seems like it connects with the idea. Somewhere there's a yeah. space we can get into. Um, 
Well, even the ancient fathers would read a passage several times in order to first read it, you know, left-brained just to get the information, Uh but then to start to to let certain words resonate, Uh right? To feel it in your body, let it like shock you or surprise you in a different way. And then that's what you take to the Lord and have conversation about. You know? Yeah, and and I, I I'm intrigued. Like so, for 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 me, for South, I think we long and, and are to a degree a place where people who are going through something like a deconstruction can land, mm-hmm. and we at least appreciate. And most of our staff have been through something like that where we've sure. processed faith, and, and and for me, that involved coming back to pretty much an orthodox Christian faith and being pretty comfortable with it. I, I think mm-hmm. how I described it to someone the other day was I hated feeling there were walls around my faith and I wanted to push them down, mm-hmm. but I didn't really end up running very far from where the walls were. I just resented the walls. <laughs> like, I just don't want the walls there. Yeah. So I just pushed that's them. That's a great illustration. Um, and I feel like there's, there's, that's true of a bunch of us that have either been on staff or are on staff. And, and longs to be a place where, as a community, we can embrace people who might say, intellectually, I don't know right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard for me. I'm mm-hmm. looking at these things, and I'm asking all these questions, and I'm seeing the brokenness of mm-hmm. the church in lots of ways. Yeah. I, 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 um, I, I'm almost out the door mm-hmm. on church. And for whatever reason, longing for a South to be a place where you might say something like I couldn't handle most churches, but for whatever reason I can handle being here. Like that's a longing for me Mm -hmm. Um, because people are willing to wrestle with me. Right. um, And and let me find a place. So so I love having that willingness to let some of the intellectual conversations just, just be and be processed. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, wanting to create hope that people could lurk almost in the service and surprisingly experience the risen Jesus right. beyond intellect and beyond understanding yeah. and find him to be transformative. Right. That seems to be like just maybe some of South's call a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that there is a lot of, there are a lot of stories, both past and present mm-hmm. at South, that God is resurrecting things in people. Even somebody came up to me afterward and they said, that's what I see South to be. I see South to be a place that walks with pastors, with individuals that are feeling a little dead or a little struggling mm-hmm. or lost and helping them kind of renew and, yeah. and resurrect out of that place. And I do think that God is doing that here, which is evidence to me that the living Christ is among us. And I love that. I think I heard someone say not long ago, um, that they were told pretty early on certain questions were off the table. Mm-hmm. Like that was the, the not even just the inference, but but actually spoken. And, and I, I grew up in some of those environments. I My uncle was, well, my, my whole family were part of what's called the Plymouth Brethren. If you're unfamiliar with that, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fairly, very conservative, particularly locked down group quite often. Mm. Um and there's wonderful people in it, as they're in every organization. But there is, or at least in this chapter, there was a protection of truth that was quite robust. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, I guess, I guess, necessary and important. But my uncle came and asked a question about the, the Holy Spirit. 
Hmm. And he was told, if you bring any of that spirit stuff here or that tongue stuff here, I'm going to throw you in into the window of the store opposite. Like, I mean, that that's not happening here. Threatening violence. For- yeah, and whether he would ever yeah. have done it, I, it was a better question. I mean, this is the 70s. Violence was regularly threatened. No, but you have um, to feel safe in order to bring that kind of honesty yeah. and that kind of, like, real wrestling questions. Yeah, yeah and I think it was pretty clear that that there were there were questions that weren't on the table right. and and this is where Jesus fascinates me in his ability to 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 hold people in places of tension mm. um because what what my uncle heard was this i think your questioning of belief questions your place of belonging so the moment you don't believe correctly yeah belonging is potentially off the table right. for you right and and that seems the opposite of how Jesus works. Mm. Jesus, with all of his followers, seems to hold belonging as key and central, yeah. as something that happens before believing, mm. as something that can be maintained even when believing is thrown into question. Yeah, like that—that's a magical thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and actually, behavior is often the last thing that changes. Right. Uh, you know, you look, you look at his first followers, they belong to him, they believe in him, and then finally their behavior changes, and it's quite a trailing change. Yeah. Um, and we almost want it to be the other way around, I feel like. We almost want to see people behave, Yeah. and then we'll accept that maybe they believe in Jesus, and then finally we open the door and they, they can come in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yet with Jesus, like, it's, it's incredible that you can belong to him before you're even sure exactly what you believe yeah it was all relational discipleship Uh right to walk alongside and and to let them realize that they could be known and they could be loved and Uh they could know that the the face of god like shines on them yeah before figuring out all the details to that Uh so so i think i think for me like a takeaway for us like maybe in different ways as individuals is it is generosity towards people that are wrestling with belief mm-hmm. like that that willingness to be generous and 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 let them stay in a place where and that's one of the magical things to me about communion mm. um like one like one watching people come to the table with all sorts of belief questions all sorts of behavior mm. questions mm-hmm. all sorts of doubts concerns fears yeah and come to a table that is both death and resurrection yeah. Is startling. Uh, it's almost like a faith step every week. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, a, it's a coming and saying, like, even in the worst, you might bring new life. Yeah. Coming um, to him as that source. Yeah. 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 Which I love. Like, like so, uh, so if you're in a place of deconstruction, if you're in a place of questioning, like, I hope what you hear is, is, even in the moments where resurrection is being processed intellectually and you, you, you maybe struggle with that. Oh, wow. What, what does it mean? Is that even possible? How does God operate in those terms? Yeah. Um, continuing to come and, and just make yourself present in a worshiping community mm-hmm. and as an individual is just to hold out constant possibility that there might be transformation and new life around the corner. Right. And I think I feel like that's what you kind of said you had to do for a while. Yeah. In the midst of your own questioning. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I think 
having people that are safe mm. that you can ask those questions with. Um, but also like realizing that your hope is to be alive. Yes. And that that doesn't go anywhere regardless of where you're at in a deconstruction journey. Mm. Like all of us are longing to be alive, mm. longing to be truly who we are made to be. Yeah. But a better version of that. Yeah. Like a Jesus-y version mm -hmm. of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that is the longing. So I think that's where my like don't deconstruct the resurrection mm -hmm. <laughs> because that is like the center of our hope mm. in every single person. Yeah. It's not just those that claim to follow Jesus. Like we all long to be alive. I love what I love how you phrase that. It is it is a better person. It's a some someone drew a picture for me once of us as a tree with roots underground and identity is the root system mm. that is really centrally you are a child of God regardless of your personality. Yeah. And and if you get that wrong, it almost warps the personality piece. It almost can't grow correctly. It becomes unhealthy. Mm. And the moment you can land comfortably in that place of identity, it almost brings life to the branches above the ground. The, the personality yeah. doesn't change, but it changes. It's a weird like, yes, yeah. and also no, yeah. it, you are still you, mm -hmm. but but you're more yourself than ever, Yeah, um, which is a fun invite. Like that's a, that's a resurrection invite. Totally. Um, well, totally. thank you so much for joining us. And, yeah. Um, keep, keep dying to the right things and let the resurrection take work in you. I love it. And and we we missed Aaron, um, but it was so fun to have a conversation yeah, with you. Yeah, thanks and, for having um, me. It's a pleasure. And if you uh, want to help us out by liking, subscribing, especially on Apple, apparently Apple is still a game changer for these things. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts is always the word. And uh, yeah, do it right now. And, yeah, do it right now. I love it. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Catch you later. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.